You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. when he pulled me out of darkness. He pulled me out of darkness. He put me into his marvelous light. And then he starts to transform my life. He starts to do it by the work of the Holy Spirit. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Knowing what is good and what is evil. Knowing that God has a plan for your life. Knowing that God wants to do a marvelous thing in your life. Knowing that God has loved you with an everlasting love. While you were still in your mother's womb, God loved you and called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When life circumstances all indicate trouble or failure, it's easy to despair. You may try harder to be a better believer in order to grow and be strengthened. Yet, as Pastor Dave will explain today, God is the one who calls you and transforms you. He's the one with the plan for your life. You simply need to submit and follow Him. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 3. As he begins his message, David negotiates with Abner, Joab pays back. You are We're in 2 Samuel chapter 3. So we've been studying now. David has been anointed king of Judah by the elders of Judah. And after he was anointed king, Scripture says he grew stronger and stronger. He moved his headquarters to Hebron, which was at that time the capital city. He took his mighty men with him, and he took his six wives also with him. Meanwhile, there was a great war between the house of Israel, Saul's people, and the house of David. And it continued. And as David continued to grow stronger, we see that the house of Saul is getting weaker and weaker. The house of Saul is under the leadership of Ishbaseth. Ishbaseth is one of Saul's sons. He was made king of Israel by Abner who is the commander of Saul's army. And as the house of Saul weakens, Abner is beginning to strengthen his hold upon the throne. I believe that Abner had hopes of one day being king. And he had hopes of one day maybe even overthrowing Ishbaseth and becoming king. But we don't really know that for sure, but it appears that way because Abner was somewhat sly and shrewd and a schemer in some of the things that he did. We studied last week that Abner might have taken advantage of this entire situation by lying with Ishkabeth's concubine. And whether he did or not, we don't know, but he's accused of it. And he gets angry, and he gets angry towards Ishkabeth, and it sounds like he's protesting too much. It sounds like the anger is coming from being struck with a pin, you know, the old um, Shakespeare line, thou protestest too much. Well, he's making a big deal about it. They have words. And Abner, Abner becomes so upset with the king that he decides he's going to make God's promise come true to David. I find that very interesting. I find that very interesting. We talked about Abner's pride. 
We talked about Abner's self-reliance, and he was actually thinking he was going to go help David become king. But he does in a way, but I just think it's weird the way it's phrased, that he's going to help him become king, as if he had something to do with it, because God had already anointed David king. And God knew that David would be king of all of Israel. Remember, 2 Samuel is about restoration. God's restoring a nation. He's bringing two nations together as one under the name of Israel, governed of God. So Abner said he was going to see that this kingdom is transferred from Saul to David. And there's some interesting wording here. And, you know, I always take sides and go this way and that way. But there's an interesting word, transfer. If you look at Colossians, in the book of Colossians, in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, I need to read down from 9 because you've got to get the full gist of what's being said. Paul's writing to the Colossae, the church, and he says this in verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So Paul wants to pray for the church of Colossae that they're going to be filled with all knowledge of his will and wisdom and spiritual understanding. He's also going to pray that they may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. What a great prayer. What a wonderful prayer. We should pray that for each other. Not only walk pleasing to him, but being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Man, this prayer just keeps getting better. It's a beautiful, wonderful prayer. And also to be strengthened with all might according to God's glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. And here's what I wanted to speak on. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, of his love. What a beautiful prayer, huh? My goodness. Now that word conveyed there can be translated, transferred. And it's the same word that is being used here when it wants to transfer the kingdom to David, wants to take the kingdom that Saul had in Israel, and he wants to transfer it to David. When you look at this and the way Paul's writing here, and he says that we also have been translated. We have been translated, or we have been transformed, if you will. We once were citizens of the kingdom of darkness. But now, we're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of the kingdom of light, praise God. We have been translated from darkness into his marvelous light. We have been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light, Peter says. And you look at the connotations of the word darkness, and you can think of it philosophically, which is ignorance. People who study psychology and philosophy, they're full of head knowledge, and they're full of all these kind of things, but it's ignorant to the Lord's ways. It's ignorant to what the Lord wants them to do. You think of darkness, you think of morality, evil in the world. And you don't have to spend too long listening to any news channel or reading any newspaper to see the evil that is now in our world. The evil that is constantly coming and building up. And finally, you can look at it spiritually, which is the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of most evil himself. And I love it because Paul, again, speaks of this darkness in Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. 
Paul says when you're fighting a spiritual battle, it's not against the flesh and blood, but it's against the power of darkness. But we've been transferred out of that. We who once were sinners have been brought out of darkness into the light. We who once were fallen, children of wrath, children of disobedience, we've been made alive by God. We've been made alive, and now we come to him in that vein. And there's great power of darkness. Did you ever see that? It seems to be ever-present force. We don't like darkness. Darkness bugs us. We don't like it. We, where our vision is hindered, and, and we don't like it. We love the summer months when it doesn't get dark till 9 o'clock. We love the sunshine. We love that kind of stuff. Darkness bothers us. But you ever know how ready darkness is to move in when you turn out a light? But did you ever realize how fast darkness flees when the light comes back on? When you shine the light in the darkness, the darkness scatters. Darkness runs away. It looks for a place to hide. Darkness is expelled. It's gone. But you can't drive the darkness out. It's an expulsive force. We try to drive the darkness out of our lives. I tried to drive the darkness out of my life many, many different times before Jesus Christ. I knew I was doing wrong. I knew I was in a bad way. So I tried everything under the sun to drive the darkness out. And guess what? It never left. In fact, a lot of times, it got darker. I just invited more darkness in. And it wasn't until the true light of the world came into my life. The true light of Jesus Christ that was shined into my heart and transformed me, translated me into light. And now scripture says, I'm a child of the light. I'm a child of the light. And Christ says, you are the light of the world. We're the light that shines into the darkness. We wonder why people can't stand us sometimes. Because your light shining into their dark place. We talked about that on Sunday. They don't like it when your light shines under their evil ways and they get offended. And they want to come against you and rail against you. They don't even know why. They don't even know why. They come against you because darkness and light doesn't get along. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Then he calls us the light of the world. You know the scripture. In Matthew, let your light so shine. Let your light so shine, the light of Christ in you, that men might see your good works and give you a pat on the back. I don't think it says that. I don't think it says that. We're not going to get pats on the back for shining our light. The main reason for shining our light is that God would be glorified. Let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. That's why I want people to see in me. That's why I want people to see the light shining in me. I want them to see that light shining in me so they can glorify God. I don't need to be glorified. God has already made me a wonderful person in his eyes. I don't need anything from mankind. It doesn't matter what man thinks of me, although my flesh thinks it does. But I, my spirit loves the fact that God loves me. So God is translated into the kingdom of his dear son. He didn't ask me to reform my life. He never asked me to reform my life when he pulled me out of darkness. He pulled me out of darkness. He put me into his marvelous light. And then he starts to transform my life. He starts to do it by the work of the Holy Spirit. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Knowing what is good and what is evil. Knowing that God has a plan for your life. Knowing that God wants to do a marvelous thing in your life. Knowing that God has loved you with an everlasting love. While you were still in your mother's womb, God loved you. And called you out of darkness into his marvelous light.
everything that was lost by Adam's sin, we now have the potential to regain by Christ and only by Christ. Anyhow, Abner sends messengers to David. He sends messengers to David to make a proposal because Abner now wants to negotiate. Remember, Abner is mad at Ishbosheth. He's mad at him for the argument they had. He's mad at the king because he accused him of going into the concubine, which we're not sure if he did or not. I kind of think he did, to tell you the truth, because that kind of makes it clear. Because Abner wanted power. And remember we said last week that by going into this concubine, you were assuming the power of the person who owned the concubine. So let's look at verse 12 as we begin. Then Abner sent messengers to the, on, the, on his behalf to David, saying, Whose is the land? Also saying, make your covenant with me, and indeed my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel to you. There's no reason for David to meet with Abner. Remember, David has shown much kindness to the family of Saul. Much kindness to their family and to all of his men. Plus, David knows that the only way to unify the nation is through Abner. David's a smart guy. He knows that Abner kind of pulls the strings of the house of Saul right now, even though Saul's son is in command. In reality, David knew that Abner had the power where Ishbosheth never did. David knew that. So David makes a strange and curious command or demand from Abner in verses 13 through 16. And David said, good. I will make a covenant with you, but one thing I require of you, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michelle, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife, Michal, whom I betrothed to myself for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Paltiel, the son of Lashish. Then her husband went along with her to Baharum, weeping behind her. So Abner said, go return. And he returned. Now, I've said from this podium, there are many, many things we can learn from David. Many, many things we can learn from David. And I'm here to make a statement that there's still many, many things we can learn from David. Some of them are really, really great things. And some of them are not so great. We can learn what not to do. We can learn some not so great things about David. And this is the one thing that I'm not so in admiration of David for right now. It's almost like he's vindictive. He's almost like he has a vindictive spirit. And this rubs me the wrong way about David. He, is he just wanting to prove something? Which he doesn't really need to prove. When Abner sent the message, I'd like to make a, a league with you, or I'd like to make a covenant with you, I'll turn Israel into your hands. He could have said, that's fine, I'll be glad you. But he said, I won't see you until you bring my wife to me. He had already taken six wives to Hebron. The man already has six wives, and he's going to collect more as he continues on the throne. He's going to collect more wives. He has concubines. And it wasn't really because of some sexual deprivation or whatever he was want this gal. It was, something, it, was, it was ego. It was pure ego that he wanted from this. He wanted to prove a point. And maybe David wanted to show that he harbored no bitterness towards Saul's house. I don't know. 
Or maybe he thought he would show good treatment to Saul's daughter and they would like him better. Or maybe even he thought he gave himself a greater claim to the kingdom of Israel by having Saul's daughter once again because that would continue to make him Saul's son-in-law. I don't know. Now, before we beat David up too hard, before we beat him up and give him a black eye, I think there's a little David in all of us. I really do. Now, I can only speak for myself, of course. I know most of you guys are much holier than I am. But I think there's a little David in all of us. One minute, I'm walking with the Lord. Everything is great, man. We're having a great time. And like that, I can turn. It drives me crazy. It drives me nuts. One minute, I'm having a great worship time with the Lord, and I'm having a wonderful time, and I get in my car, and I start to drive that fast. That fast. Oh. Oh. How incredible we can turn. This is why I love the Bible so much. I love the Bible because it never sugarcoats anyone's life. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat anyone's life. We see the best of David. He becomes a type of Christ. And we see the worst of David. Who knows what type he is. But the Bible continues to say that David is a man after God's own heart. Why? Because David always came back to God. He always confessed his sin. He always realized his sin was separating him from God. And he always took the punishment like a man, knowing that he did wrong and he deserved the punishment. And he would still love God and continue to serve God even though he failed miserably. Abner's response to Michael's husband was harsh. But then again, so was David's request. Abner basically says, get out of here. And the guy runs away. This part doesn't make sense to me. And I'm a little disappointed in David. I'm a little disappointed in him. He seems like he's having a, a, a trophy dash, and he's collecting things. I don't know what he was trying to prove. But this is going to come back and haunt him. This mistake is going to come back and cause him problems. So in verses 17 through 19, Abner now goes to work for David. Let's look at 17 through 19. Now, Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying, In time past, you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then, do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, "By By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and the hand of all their enemies. And Abner spoke also the hearing of Benjamin. Then Abner also went to speak in the hearing of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and the whole house of Benjamin. So he switches alliance, and now he becomes a spokesperson for David. Abner says to the elders of Israel, hey guys, remember when you delighted in David? Remember when you thought David was the cat's meow and you thought he was really something special? Remember all that times? Well, guess what? He still is. You said you wanted to follow him. Now do it. Follow him. Go after him. It was very important that this word came from Abner regarding David instead of coming from David himself. Though David was the rightful king, he would not reign over Israel until they freely submit it to him. He never moved an inch without an invitation. And now you have a picture of the Lord Jesus. Now you come back to a picture of the Lord Jesus in our life. He is, in fact, the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. But he chooses, for the most part, to exercise his sovereignty only 
at an invitation. You must invite Jesus into your heart. You must ask him to come and sup with you. You must ask you, him to come and be your Lord and be your Savior. You must ask him to do that. Some people don't invite Jesus to do anything. Some invite him to a very, very small area of their lives. Lord, I'll give you this area of my life, but you can't have this area of my life. Some Jesus give reign over everything because he is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. Have you declared him Lord of all? Everything, your whole life? Everything you have, everything you own, everything you will have? Abner here is a good example of someone who eventually surrenders to God's king. Now he wanted to influence others to do the same. Now then do it, he says. Because the word of the Lord spoke to David, and because it was right to do. This was something that should have been done by now. In a sense, it's very much like permitting to follow Jesus. We are told, okay, you submit it to Jesus, do it. Do it. Some of you have not settled it yet. Some of you are like a roller coaster, up and down, up and down. You haven't settled it yet. Do it. Follow Christ at all costs. The same principles of Israel's embrace of David as king applies to our relationship as Jesus. The Israelites might talk of making King David, but they didn't crown him that way. They might meet together and say they wished it were so, but they didn't do it. It might be generally admitted that they ought to do it, and he ought to be our monarch, but they didn't do it. Sooner or later, it has to be done. Sooner or later, you're going to be asked, who do you say Jesus is? What will your answer be? What will your answer be? To decide that. I can't decide that for you. Until you do it, until you do the deed of making him Lord, making him king of your life, you will struggle with what shall I do with Jesus? That's what I did in my life. I struggled with what I should do with Jesus. I saw Jesus in my wife's life. I saw the change in her. It was driving me nuts. I didn't know what to do with this Jesus. I had heard about him. I went to Sunday school. I was confirmed Lutheran. I grew up in a church. But I, I knew about this Jesus, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do with him. They never told us in the Lutheran church that we were supposed to be born again. It never came up. I didn't know what to do with this Jesus until one day it was so impressed upon me, I knew that I had to make a decision in my life. It was time. Fish or cut bait. It was time. It was time for me to decide what was I going to do with this Jesus. And I cried out to him, okay, if you want me, I'm yours. I didn't know what I was saying. If you want me, I'm yours. And that was what I said. I fell to my knees. If you want me, I'm yours. I don't know what that meant. And I walked inside a school. I was teaching at the time. The first person I met happened to be a guy that was teaching with me who was an Assembly of God pastor. And he said, what's wrong with you? Something happened to you. He looked at my face and he knew something had happened. And I said, I got to tell you, I said, it's no surprise that the Lord brought you here. And I told him, he said, you did what? And I told him, and he grabbed my hands and right there in the middle of the hallway in a school, he said, pray this prayer with me. And we prayed the prayer. You are We'd love to keep studying the word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.